0: and um, if i 've not met you before, um, as James said, my name is toby i 'm married to Jean and uh, my wife she couldn 't be here today unfortunately, and um, we got back off late uh, holiday last night, um, and she was just unable to be here this morning, uh, but she sends her love and we 'd have also loved to have been around at the barbecue as well this afternoon to spend time with you but um, i 've got to be offered a conference um, this afternoon so i 've got to leave catch a train hopefully because there 's been train strikes hasn 't there so I'm dearly hoping that the trains are going to run on time, so I've got to be in Cambridge, so unfortunately, I've got to get back home. Um, interestingly, yesterday, the, well, the conference I'm going to is um, uh, the Faraday Institute on faith and science, and uh, yesterday, as we were coming back from holiday, going down the A47 very happily, and Karis my eldest daughter, following in her car behind us, and uh, suddenly, the car cuts out. <laughs> You know, It's one of those moments where kind of everything stops and the lights come on the dashboard, service now, and I'm thinking, I literally got it serviced before we went on holiday. Um, the spanner light is on, which is never a good one to come up, is it? Uh, then the oil light followed that, and by then I'm thinking, yeah, this isn't good, um, and I managed to pull in to the um, side of the end of a slip road, because there's no kind of hard shoulder on the A14, three-lane bit. And um, pulled over anyway, and uh, spent a couple of hours on the hard shoulder there, waiting for recovery and all the rest of it that goes on. But the point of that isn't to elicit sympathy from you uh, or anything like that. It was um, that uh, the first we had two two truck drivers because they had to kind of pass us on to another one because they only drive a certain way. And the, and the I think it was the second truck driver that was it. He picked us up in Cambridge, and I made the comment to him as I was sitting in the front. I said, oh, "I'm going to be back here tomorrow." And um, as we went through Cambridge. And uh, he said, oh, what are you coming back for? And I said, oh, I'm at a conference all week. I'm on faith and science. And his response to that was interesting. He said, oh, he said, I would never have put those two things together. <laughs> and, uh, and that sort of opened up sort of different conversations and things like that. But the point is, is that, it is this, this whole thing of what faith even is. You know, you've got Richard Dawkins, one of the most prolific kind of atheists out there, whatever you think of him, um, some atheists want to distance themselves from him sometimes in the way that he maybe communicates. But you know, he's he's very famous for saying that 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 faith is is um, what is it, belief in spite of, of evidence. Even though he would say there's evidence to the contrary in terms of Christianity, people still choose to have faith and so faith becomes this thing of I close my eyes and I hope it's true and I'll take a leap, a blind leap of faith. And and that's what being a Christian is all about. Many people think that. And yet that is not what faith is. Now, I don't know what you think faith is. Maybe you're here this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. And maybe you're exploring. Maybe you've got these kind of questions and so on. So I hope what I say helps um, answer some of that, maybe. But we all have faith. And I said this to the driver yesterday. I think that every human being places their trust, if we put trust instead of faith in someone else's um, words and works, ultimately. We place our trust in terms of, well, what happens in life? Who gives the answers to what happens after, after death? Do you trust a Richard Dawkins who says nothing happens after death? Do you trust his words? Do you trust a Darren Brown and what he says happens after death? Do you trust um, religious leaders? Who do you trust for the answers to these things? We all put our faith somewhere. And often you hear the phrase... Well, have faith in yourself. I heard a story once of a guy who was sitting having dinner with someone who wasn't a Christian. And uh, they were talking about this and about faith and saying, yeah, we recognise we all put our trust somewhere in life. And um, so the guy asked this person, well, where do you put your trust? And they said, I put my trust in humanity. And he just said, okay. He said, has anyone ever let you down? And she was like, well, Yeah. Have you ever let yourself down? Yeah. So how's your faith in humanity going? When we look at the world, is our faith there? Or, as the humanists would do, effectively in their humanist manifestos, would say, put your faith in technology. That is the answer, ultimately. If we can just kind of get the right technology that's going to help humanity, then we're going to improve and become better humans and so on and so forth. Now, I've got nothing against technology. I love technology. But to place our ultimate faith to say, that is the answer. I think all we've got to do is read back into human history and see the development of technology and see where that's got us sometimes. It doesn't seem to have solved the biggest um, issues of humanity at all. So where do we place our faith? It's a question for all of us. And it's not belief in spite of evidence. Hebrews 11.1. If you've got a Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be looking a little bit in there. Hebrews chapter 11. But verse 1 of there, this, uh, it's, if you know the Bible at all, it might be well known to so you, says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And it's interesting here, you see faith and hope strongly linked. I remember when we were going through, the, um, through COVID and all that, and, and one news item just before the vaccine was going to come out, I think they'd produced the first kind of lot of the vaccine. I remember someone on the news holding up this bottle of vaccine and they're saying, this is liquid hope. That's interesting, the way you've said that. Liquid hope. Now, the reason that we can have hope for this vaccine was based in what? Because hope has to be based somewhere. It has to stand on something. Otherwise, it's just hoping in hope. And what's that based in? Where's the, What do I place my... And so you place your trust in someone to get that hope. And our trust at that point was in the the technology, actually, in the scientists and in the doctors who have produced this vaccine. So we could say it's liquid hope, and it's based on what the scientists and the doctors could do, on their promises that we can deliver a vaccine, their words, and their ability to deliver what they promised. Does that make sense? And so we place our faith in them, and we get hope. Hope and faith. And we've been singing about that a bit this morning, haven't we? And so these things are linked. Faith is trust in another's words or their promises and their works, their ability to do what they say. And just to say also that the Christian faith is not like this static, I have faith. Boom, I've become a Christian, now I have some faith. And that's it. It's not, it's a living faith. It's an everyday being worked out and worked into you and lived out faith. It's alive, it's, it's, it's an everyday trusting God and following Jesus Ultimately, our faith is in him, what he's done. In his life, his death on the cross, the resurrection, that's where our faith is rooted. That's where our hope is rooted. That's why in 1 Peter it says that you've been born again into what? A living hope based upon what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what it's based on. Okay, 1 Peter talks about that. So our faith is based on... On him, And as we read through Hebrews 11, if you've ever read Hebrews 11, it's just, you've got this by faith phrase that is repeated so many times as, as the writer of Hebrews goes through kind of the Old Testament history and says that all these different people, they walk by faith, by faith, by faith. I think it's around 18 to 19 times we see that phrase through Hebrews 11. It's like a, a beat of a drum. And Hebrews is written to Christians who needed some encouragement. Anyone need encouragement? I do every day I need encouragement that's why I think the Bible says encourage one another daily because we need it don't we and so Hebrews is written to those maybe uh, who uh, who were facing persecution they needed perseverance they needed to stand firm in the face of difficult days they were a minority you know if you're a Christian you believe in Jesus you believe that he's raised from the dead you're in a minority in this nation We are a minority. I know there's many cultural things. People call themselves Christian and so on. But even people there are questioning that. And again, this driver yesterday, I was talking to him. He said, actually, a number of years ago, I would have probably ticked on the form Christian. And he was in his mid-50s, this guy. He said, I'd probably tick Christian, but now I wouldn't. That's interesting. You've shifted in your thinking on, you recognise there's this cultural Christian thing even. And now you've put kind of, I don't know. I'm on the fence, were his words. I'm sitting on the fence, so I don't offend anybody. <laughs> it's where a lot of people are, I think. Anyway, so it's written to that. And then we're going to focus in on verses 8 to 12, um, on Abraham. He's sometimes called the father of faith. And so let's read verses 8 to 12. What time do I need to be done by James, by the way? I should have asked. Two o'clock, three o'clock? Ten to. No, I'll be done before then, hopefully. Anyway, chapter eight, um, uh, chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. This is a story back in Genesis. You can read it there. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Verse eleven, by faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful, who had promised, therefore, there was born even as one man and him as good as dead, you like that' <laughs> as good as dead <laughs> At that, as many descendants as the stars of the heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. We'll stop there. Three things from Abraham, or four things maybe. One, about faith. Faith, first of all, we see from this, listens and obeys. We've just read that. By faith, Abraham, when called, obeyed. He acted on it. And back in Genesis chapter 11, you can read there, at verse 31, it says, he left Ur of the Chaldeans, the big city, apparently, Um, in those days would have been regarded as kind of luxurious a comfortable place to live and all the rest of it maybe a good place to settle and probably a good place to retire actually you know and settle down a little bit and you've done your bit in life bear in mind Abraham is probably about 75 years old or something he could have said you know what I've done my lot Um, I've I've raised a family and now it's time just to settle down kick back uh, take it easy life's good Uh, future's looking bright But Abraham doesn't. Abraham wasn't called or isn't called the father of faith because he stayed. He's called the father of faith because he obeyed and he left. He went somewhere. Now, that doesn't always mean there's a physical move thing in faith, okay? But it does mean that faith is always moving, as it were. Like I said, it's not a static, fixed thing, the life of faith. It's a daily, lived-out thing taking the words of Jesus into our lives, putting them into practice. Abraham's faith was worked out in his going, his obedience. And uh, James talks about this in the book of James, talks about how faith and works are linked. That James says, if you, you tell me you've got faith, you must, you know, I'll show you my faith by my works, by what I'm doing. There's evidence of it. Faith, it does show itself. This faith in Jesus, it doesn't just kind of stay in this faith in Jesus and nobody knows. There's no change in your life, there's no, there's no difference there's no, in what you do, there's a difference. And again, what, and going back to these drivers actually, uh, our first driver, he was called Big Dog, <laughs> and he was a big lad, um, and, uh, and he I was talking to him a bit, and, uh, and he said, do you know what, 18 months ago my brother got baptised in the sea, and he said he'd seen a change in his brother, and he said that he was into alcohol and all sorts of stuff before, a bit of a mess, and, but now he said he's happy. And, that's, and, and, and you hear this phrase a bit, which is, and I'm really pleased he's happy, that's really great. He's found something he believes in, it's all very nice, and he's happy now, and I'm very pleased for him. But I was interested to hear that, that this faith in Jesus for his brother was worked out in his life, and this, this older brother saw something in him. He saw a change. Now, when you hear the word obedience... Because we just read that, how do you feel when someone says obey? Well, doesn't it depend on who's saying it? Because if obedience obedience is to do with submitting to an authority, isn't it? We obey, and we obey someone for a reason, depending on who it was. So let's say in the middle of the A14 yesterday, and I'm standing on the side of the road, but I thought, you know, what would be fun? step out in the middle of the road with this oncoming traffic, and just say, stop. I'd really like you to stop right now. What do you think would have been the reaction of most of the drivers? What would your reaction have been? (laughs) You know? don't don't say it out loud. But the point is, I've got no authority in that situation. Yet what if a policeman had stood out in the road, full uniform, flashing lights, and said, look, we want you to stop. We want you to slow down. What would you have done then? (laughs) Again, don't have to answer. (laughs) But, you're more likely to listen to the policeman than me. Why? Because he carries, or she carries, an authority that I don't have. And so, why do we obey God? Why do we obey Jesus? because there's authority there. And actually, we need to listen. So when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and he gives that to us, teaching it to go into the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything. Teaching them to obey everything that Jesus taught, everything that he commands. Why do we need to listen to who he is? Because he's God. And so we live out of that place in our obedience. Now, the analogy breaks down is that Jesus is not a divine policeman or policewoman. (laughs) Right? That's not the character of God. He's our friend, the Bible says. Jesus calls us his friends. He says, if you'll love me, you'll obey me. The key is this relationship with God that we live out from. But the point is, is that there is, a, there is a cost to obedience, as there was for Abraham. It costs something to leave. It costs something to move on. When God speaks and says, do this, or do that, or whatever it might be. And faith follows even when it isn't, convenient. One little phrase I try and live with in an imperfect way is don't try to manage outcomes but trust God with the results of obedience. Don't try and manage the outcomes of your actions and what you do but trust God with the results of obedience to what he's told us to do. Because sometimes we can kind of think, oh but if I do that this might happen and if I don't, and we try and work it out and it doesn't work like that. God calls us to step out, often when we don't even know the way. And this is my second point, really, is that faith steps out when the way isn't even certain. We just read that out, that he went out not knowing where he was going. I love that verse. Abraham left, and if you'd have stopped him on the street and said, Abraham, where are you off to? He's gone, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, oh, where would you go in a conversation like that? You know, right, okay, is he an idiot? I mean, I mean, wh- what is this guy? Why are you going? Oh, well, I think God's told me to, to do this. Right, okay, Abraham. But you don't know where you're actually going? No. No, but I'm trusting that God is going to guide and lead. You know, faith can look a bit daft in the world's eyes sometimes, can't it? You know, to be honest, if you'd have said that a group of people this size were going to give... 97 grand over a couple of weeks would you honestly look around her and go yeah we've got that <laughs> seriously and yet yeah, you're pretty daft and yet here you are faith steps out even when you don't know where you're going because you trust the one that's called you you know have you ever done a trust fall you know when you lean back and you do the whole thing who would do a trustful with me catching them? <laughs> oh. <laughs> James knows me really quite well as well. <laughs> I was hoping you'd be the one that would say yes. You know. <laughs> but the point is, is, you'd be reticent maybe. Why? Because you don't know me. Would I catch you? Would I stand out of the way? Of course i catch you. Of course I'd do The point is, it's, it's that we do a trustful because we know the one who is. We trust the one who's going to catch us, as it were. And it's the same with stepping out in faith, isn't it? You know, faith isn't about trying to kind of, right, if only I had more faith, and you stand up, more faith, Lord, give me more faith, give me more faith, give me more faith. Look, if I clench my fists, if I, I don't know, try harder or something, I'll have more faith. That's not what faith is. Faith is about putting your trust in one who is greater than you. And so it's not about trying to get more faith, it's about know God more. Understand who Jesus is more. Um, you know, it says in One Peter, uh, two Peter, sorry, three eighteen. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Isn't that again? This is this is to Christians, all Christians, grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge. Interesting, those two things. So knowing God, knowledge of what God is like, knowing who God is, or how do we know ultimately who God is and what God is like? Where do we go? Jesus. He's the one. yeah. Revealed through the scriptures. It's that he, Jesus is the one. If you see me, Jesus said, you've seen God. He's the exact representation of the living God. So you want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. That's his claim. And so get to know him more. Get to know the grace of God more. Get to know the gospel more. The good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. And as we do that, faith grows. Going, oh, I can trust the one. Why? Because of my faith? No. But because He is faithful. It's trusting in the faithfulness of God. Even in all our ups and downs, or our mess ups, and our screw ups, and our hang ups, and all the rest of it, it's trusting Him. So get to know Him. And then we step out in faith, don't we? Even when the way is unclear. I mean, this building deal that you've gone for. Yet there's some prophetic there to encourage. That is great. And we're given prophecy to encourage us because we'll need courage to take the steps that God calls us to. And so here you are. I think it's incredible this money that's been given. But you don't really know what the future is for that. You don't, but you're, you're walking by faith. It's the same with that at King's. You know, I can think of significant moments for us at the church in Norwich where we went for the King's Centre. And there was a whole amazing story even about how we even got to put an offer in for this building. Um, and uh, God has spoken about a building in the centre of the city and all of this stuff. And we didn't have any money like you. Zero. <laughs> Big fat zero. And suddenly we get to put an offer in um, and it gets accepted. <laughs> And it was up against these um, redevelopment companies as well. Big redevelopment companies wanting to develop it, that area in, in the middle of the city. And um, we needed um hundred and something thousand, I think it was. And like you, didn't have any money, so gift day on you know, Sunday. And we weren't as big as a church at that time. I remember it, 20 odd years ago. 25 years ago, in fact. This is our 25th year. 25 years ago. And in one offering, we got 101,000. I think it was one offering anyway. It was over a week or so, a bit like you've done. 101000 to pay for the building. Now, we had a lot of renovation to do after that, a lot of work um, to put into it. But you step out in faith. So there we had no money. Then when God talked to us about going multi-site, where we started our first location in Mile Cross, where Jean and I, my, my wife and our family, had moved to Mile Cross. We felt God call us there and um, go and move in and see what God will do. We failed to start another location there and so we were going to start a Sunday morning meeting and uh, we felt God say you're going to meet in the middle of Malcross smack bang in the middle so there's two buildings in the middle of Malcross one is the Norman Centre the other is the school that my children were going to at the time me being very spiritual um, the school was painted purple which is the colour of kings so I think oh God this must be a sign from you that this is going to be the school we're going to get the school because it's already purple which fits with our branding brilliant (laughs) (laughs) That's how shallow I can be. (laughs) And um, so we asked the school, and the school said? No. "No." So we went to the Norman Centre, we asked the Norman Centre, and the Norman Centre said? No, they said no. (laughs) They said no as well. They said, no, we don't open Sundays, we're not opening Sundays, we're never going to open Sundays, there's no chance. Okay, but Lord, I'm pretty sure you said the middle of my cross. That's what we, we believe you've spoken about. So what we did, I remember, it was about January time, and um, I remember standing up at a meeting, church meeting like this, saying, we're going to start a new location in the middle of Mal Cross, we're going to start meeting on Sunday mornings, and we're going to start meeting at Easter this year. I could have not put a date on it, on the year, and pushed it back a year each time, but it was this year we felt to go for it at Easter Sunday. We felt God said in the middle of Mal Cross. And then Marcus, one of our friends at Mal Cross, one of the elders there, um, some of you will know. He, he, he spoke about, he said that there's, um, he had a picture of a boulder. That was it. Big boulder. And you could see lots of people, like the church, milling about on this field in front of this massive boulder. But everyone was kind of milling around. And then he said, what happened was we all kind of aligned in front of this boulder and prayed. He says, as we aligned and we prayed, the boulder would move. And it was in light of not having a building or anywhere to meet. And, uh, and so I'm thinking, we've said we're going to do this. We haven't got a building. We haven't got a clue. And then one day, I remember, I was meant to go to this like a council meeting thing display or something down the road. I didn't have to be there. I didn't want to go. And I wasn't going to go. I remember saying to Jean at the time, I'm not going to go. I can't be bothered. I'm a bit tired. But just that sense of, I probably just should go. <laughs> I should go along to this thing. So I did. I went along there, happened to bump into a councillor who was there, the councillor happened to ask, hey, how's it going? I know you're looking for somewhere to meet in Mile Cross, and how's that going? And I said, not good, because both have said no. And She said, oh, I know the people at the Norman Centre. Leave it with me. I'll get back to you. Long story short, she got back, got to speak to the, the head of facilities or whatever, had a really good conversation with her. We ended up getting the Norman Centre. And we we're meeting there for the past, what, 10 years or so, maybe more than that now, in the middle of Malcross Cross Estate. God's faithful. But you step out in faith and sometimes it looks a bit daft and sometimes it looks like you've said you're doing this and you haven't got a clue how it's going to happen. And sometimes God used idiots like me who don't want to go to a meeting that you turn up on but you think, well, I'll go anyway. It's, it's, why, why is it like that? Because actually it's not about our clever plans. People are not meant to look at the church. In fact, you're not meant to look at your leaders and go, well, aren't they amazing leaders? I mean, all due respect to... But... <laughs> <the> ama- <laughs> But you're not. It's God who works these things together as a church family as we move forward in faith, not knowing where we're going. And also you're building for a future generation as well. It's good to have that in mind in what you're doing here as well, in the way that you've given here. You're building for the next generation, the generation after that, the generation after that. That's our vision here, isn't it? We invest in future. That's what it's about. Now, I understand with faith that sometimes things don't go the way we expected. Sometimes it feels like God didn't come through to things. And I'd encourage you to don't shove those questions under the carpet if you're in that place when it comes to faith in God. Why didn't this happen? Why did that person not get healed? Why did that thing not happen? I totally get those things. Thankfully, we've got the Bible. And the Bible is full of these questions you know, itself in in the book of Psalms and other places, even down to uh, in the book of Acts, you've got the story of James and Peter are arrested, um, well, James is arrested and he, he gets killed, Peter is arrested and he gets freed. And I always think, well, how did James's family feel when Peter got freed? I wonder if they asked the why question. But what we read through Hebrews as we go through it is that it doesn't paint a pretty picture of faith. When you read on through this, um, it says that they died often without inheriting their faith. And if you go on and read through from verse 30 onwards and so on, it talks about people who have been killed, um, imprisoned, had their property taken away and so on and so forth. You've got all these different things, sawn in two by faith. I mean, it's like, what? So it doesn't paint this kind of idyllic view of faith that everything works out exactly how we want all the time. And that's because I think it points us towards the ultimate place of our faith, which is not in this world. Actually, it's for the future. It's in, in, and the cross is not exactly let's put it this way, you know you didn't look at the cross. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, the disciples weren't going standing before it going, Wow, this is amazing, this is the greatest act in human history. They fled, they didn't know what was going on, they were confused, they were bemused, whatever it was. And yet the resurrection born again into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, points to our future hope. So faith steps out when the way is unclear. Faith listens and obeys. Faith um, resists the temptation to settle down. I won't say too much on this, but in the, as you read through the story of Abraham, it talks about how he was looking for a, a city with foundations that in God, something solid, something lasting, and he was in a tent. I don't know what you like with camping. Who, who, who are campers here? Who are happy campers? Let's rephrase the question. Who are happy campers? Yeah, one, two of you. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) Some others endure it. Some others just don't do it at all. Um, But here's this tent thing. Well, what's that meant to tell us? He dwelt in tents. Yeah, it's temporary. It's transitory. We're passing through. It says that Abraham lived like an alien. He didn't live like this world was his home and his final destination and so faith resists the temptation to settle down it doesn't get too comfortable in this world and I don't know if you're anything like me but I need others around me to do what it says in Hebrews chapter 10 about provoking one another to love and good works we need people who are close enough to us that's why house groups are important and being with others and having good friends in church life maybe just a handful even but people who are close enough to us who can help provoke us and and encourage us to take steps of faith I need that we all need that because it's very easy to almost, I think, plateau in your faith a little bit. It's very easy, and as you have become a Christian and you go on in life, you think, well, actually, what does faith look like for me? And that's a, that's a good question to ask yourself. What does it look like for me today to walk by faith? Not just as an individual, but again, together as a church in the minute, going for this building. And finally, just faith continues to look to God in the face of the impossible. Again, I love this. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability, it's important, received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered what him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and sand on the seashore. Romans 4 picks this up as well if you want to read more about this in terms of Abraham's faith. But basically, Abraham looked at his body and he went, dead. Nothing good, no life is going to come from this. He then looked at his wife and he was like, nope, not going to happen. So it's not looking good so far. But then he looked at God and considered God faithful, or she considered him faithful. And it says that she received ability and was then fruitful. So don't look at yourself. Don't look at the person next to you and think, well, they've got it all. Look to God. And it says you received ability. The Bible says that God will equip you for every good work he's called you to by the Holy Spirit. He's going to enable you to... to, Fruit is going to produce through your life that you look at and go, how is that even possible? Fruit is going to be produced through this church that you'll look at and go, how is that possible? Because people are meant to go, ah, she considered him faithful. That God will do what He has promised. Often God takes us to dead ends, and at the end of ourselves. And one of the things I pray, probably nearly daily, is God, will you please act beyond me? Will you just please act beyond me? Because if you don't, it's pretty rubbish. <laughs> because I'm so severely limited. If you don't act beyond me, and this is what you've said. If we do this, you'll do that. you said we'll be fruitful. Jesus said, I've appointed you, if you're a Christian, to bear much fruit. That's his promise. And yet it's often out of weakness, isn't it? Sarah, it's not going to happen. You know, um, Sarah laughed to start off with. Moses you know, said, I can't speak very well. I don't really want to do this. Gideon was like, you know, God said, go. And he said, well, I don't know about that. And you know, he sort of said, God, I want lots of encouragement here. Um, David, King David, this great king, and all the names, when you read through these names actually in Hebrew 11, you find no real heroes in terms of their lives. You find no perfect life, no perfect faith there. Isn't that encouraging? I find that encouraging. That it's through weakness. In fact, verse 34 says, from weakness they were made strong. See, our faith doesn't grow and doesn't come from focusing on ourselves, but focusing on Jesus and It says there in chapter 12, that does anyone ever feel weary here? Do you ever feel like, do you ever lose a bit of heart, you know, a bit of courage and feel like giving up sometimes? Well, the antidote is in verse 12. Consider him who has endured hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And it talks about in the previous verses about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of what? Our faith fix your eyes on him make him everything shall we stand i'd like to pray for us and if joy want to come back up and emma so yeah you've got you know you're going for the building now and You know, Keep praying for those things, don't assume. (laughs) Keep praying that this stuff will go through well. But God will call you to stuff after that as well. It's not going to be that and done. Great, we've done our faith bit now as a church. No, no, there'll be loads more ahead for you that you continue to walk in. Galatians 2.20 says, The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who what? Who loved me, and gave himself up for me. There's the cross. And Lord, I thank you that our faith is, it's not belief in spite of evidence, that it's not close our eyes and hope it's true. Lord, it's open our eyes. It's, 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 we, we hear the message. We hear about you, Jesus, what you've done. And, and we, even faith is a gift. <laughs> We're saved by grace through faith. And this is a gift, Lord. And even that, Lord, to trust you, and we say, yeah, I think I trust you, Jesus, for forgiveness for my sin. I trust you, Lord, for eternal life. I trust you beyond death, Lord. And then that faith gets worked out in a community together as we walk by faith, Lord, with Jesus, with you at the center of everything, and then living by faith and and listening for your voice. That what's what's come through this morning, listening to what you're saying, and then taking a step of faith that <laughs> we haven't seen it yet, but we're going to step out in faith. And Lord, I thank you so much for every penny. Of this 97, 215,000 pounds. Lord, every penny of it. Thank you. As is, is this money's been given by faith, I pray for much fruit to come from it. And much fruitfulness to come in and through this church. As you've done in the past, you've brought fruitfulness. You're going to continue to do that as they take steps of faith together into the future as well. Yeah. Amen.